Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm your host, Shan Vanderleek, anxiety coach and award-winning podcaster. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Cheryl B. Inglehart. Cheryl is a composer and songwriter and so much more. Her newest record, Luminary, flew up the charts at iTunes and Amazon and is featured on popular meditation apps like Insight Timer and Simple Habit. This music is wonderful for mindfulness, focus, and self-growth. She is a New Yorker who earned degrees in biology and in music from Cornell University, studied orchestration at Juilliard, then began her tenure as a composer for films, ads, theater, and social justice choirs, and so much more. Wait until you hear Cheryl's story today. We're going to be discussing several practices Cheryl uses to alleviate anxiety on a day-to-day basis and how music plays a role in all that. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me and for that really fantastic introduction. I'm just so glad that you reached out to Anxiety Slayer because as I was reading your bio and learning a little bit more about you and your music and your world, I thought, wow, she is so fascinating. I cannot wait to introduce you to Anxiety Slayer listeners. There are Mm -hmm. certainly not many government scuba divers turned pop artists turned film composer, female entrepreneurs in the world. I mean, that's... (laughs) I mean, I haven't met any, but that does not mean that they're not out there. And I want to meet you if you're out there. (laughs) Please share some of your fascinating behind the scenes journey with us. And, And then, of course, how panic attacks actually inspired you to compose your own solution and make this gorgeous new album. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I was always into music. I started playing the piano when I was really, really little. We had one and then I started to explore it. And I think my parents were like, I think maybe she's interested. Maybe we should take her to have some lessons. And I just sort of stuck with it. But it was always a hobby to me. I was in choirs and did the musical theaters in high school and acapella groups in college. And I always loved science. I loved dolphins and whales. I thought I was going to be a marine biologist. So, you know, I I was sort of in the culture of arts are a hobby growing up, even though they were, I was completely supported in that. And then my advisor at Cornell said, hey, do you know that if you take like two extra music classes, you could double major? Because I was taking them as electives just because I loved it and was interested in it. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. That would be cool to double major. And then it was funny because I started to see that there was weight to one career path over another. And, and just in small, subtle ways, like my, my parents would ask me, my mom specifically would ask me, you know, how are the bio classes going? I'm like, oh, they're great. But let me tell you what's going on in this music class. And she's like, well, yeah. let, me, let me hear about the important classes. I'm like, they actually technically count the same in terms of credits and grades. Sure. And I, and I re- remember having to like explain that a little bit. And it was never in a negative way. It was just sort of like, oh, interesting. So I sort of had it that I just needed to keep going with science. And I did love it enough that it made sense. I got recruited by the United States Geological Survey when I was a senior. My first job was doing water quality research. I basically was scuba diving for the government for about six months. And the rivers we were working on froze. We had a little time off. And a friend of, ironically, my mom's, who knew that I also wrote music, uh, asked me to come along to, uh, to Rome, Italy, for a month to help produce some videos and do some music. I got really into like video tech and, and uh, in college I did a lot of film scoring and commercial scoring and just the technology behind connecting actual video with music was really interesting to me. So I guess they sort of knew that and invited me to Rome to work on this website that 
they got hired to create, but they, the website <laughs> wanted. How does, how does it get any better than that? Okay. I know it was, it was the first time I was like, oh, music takes me place. Like I was like, science takes me places, but it takes me to like the Delaware river. Like, <laughs> music <laughs> takes me to Rome. Okay. Like I started to piece some things together. Right early on there. So I, you know, I spent a, um, a month doing some video- videography stuff and like writing music for these little like tourist videos for this website that happened to be, it was for a hotel that was owned by the Vatican. So we were put up in a, in a monastery. So that was really interesting Whoa. living with yeah. a bunch of monks. And I, you know, I was the only female in the whole building. So I had this 10 story, uh, spiral staircase that was like a metal staircase that led to this castle like room that was this gorgeous room and and one time my my collaborator like snuck up so we could do some work up there what is this room this is a magical place I'm like yeah I don't even care about the 10 flights of spiral stairs like (laughs) I take five minutes on the like the canopy bed look out the window get myself undizzy from the stairs and then so anyway so that was the first thing and I sort of never turned back um I got a job in advertising uh as a actually video editor assistant that got me introduced to the process of writing music for commercials. So I ended up transferring over to a, um, a commercial house that specifically worked, a music house that worked mm-hmm. with, um, writing music for jingles. It was a beautiful studio there. So after all the composers went home, I would stay and stay late and use the studios to record my own songs. I put a band together. We did some gigs to practice for a recording. And then I made some CDs. I started touring more, left the commercial world toured all over Europe and the United States with this band doing, you know, piano chick pop stuff. Nice. <laughs> a la Sarah Bareilles, you know, Cheryl Crow, sure. that kind of thing. And um, yeah, like one thing led to another. I started doing my own scoring, film scoring, commercial scoring, um, working with theater, working with social justice choirs, more choral groups. And throughout that whole time of leaving the, the full-time job, which was around 2007 to about two years ago, and also at the same time, like literally when I was leaving the, the full-time job, I also happened to meet my now husband at mm. a concert that I was playing in Portland, Maine. He's a mountain climber, like a mountain wow. guide. That's what he does for a living. So we were long distance and we kind of still are. This whole quarantine thing has this, be, this is very new to us, like being in the same place for more than two weeks is um, not the norm. I started developing like monthly panic attacks and I... I learned over time that my anxiety was really some part of my subconscious telling me to be safe and stop um, doing these dangerous things. Like, don't go into this unpredictable industry called the music industry. Don't date this long distance, unpredictable guy. I mean, in terms of not knowing the outcome on a logically thinking, you're like, oh, that must be dangerous. But his whole job is managing risk in itself. So that, that was like a monthly thing for almost 10 years on and off. I, my father passed away in there and that whole year I didn't have anxiety at all. I just cried a lot. That was interesting. But panic attacks for me looked like um, food poisoning. Like it was, would knock me out for like a couple of days. It was like very physical and then it would go away. For, and I, I was like a happy person. It wasn't like I was anx- anxious all the time. It was these right. spurts. Did so. it just kind of come out of, did it seem like it just kind of came out of nowhere or yeah. was there a trigger it, that you were mindful I thought of? There might, I thought there might be a trigger later on um, in that sort of, it was a little more than a decade of looking at it. It mostly happened at night. It, it sometimes would happen when I would get back from events. I, I feel like I've always defined myself as an extrovert. Recently, I'm learning that I'm perhaps just a very, very social introvert. I had that same understanding and yeah. that same knowing um, showed up for me about 10 years ago. 
Mm, I was yeah, sure I was sure I was an extrovert until yeah <laughs> yeah until and I, I realized not, I'm really not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not sure. I mean, the fact that I chose a career of like I'm sitting in my home studio, I work alone a lot. I love collaboration. So anytime I can collaborate, even if I'm writing music for a film score for a choral group, I go in person. I have meetings. I, mm-hmm. I listen to the group. There's way more conversation than I think the average collaboration in that sense. Um, and I don't know if that's to get out that performer element or the extrovert or if it's yeah I'm, i i'm happy in this this space by myself because i'm an introvert right. but i have a social element so i i haven't quite decided and i don't know how to tag it yet but um yeah i couldn't decide the triggers really uh oftentimes once i got married i noticed that that the triggers would be after we would have some sort of fight and i think it's because i'm a all or nothing fix it person oh so, yeah if there's something that like doesn't work, my first thing is like, how do I get out of this? So that means right. I get into decision-making mode and decisions really stress me out. Like I, I'm loving this quarantine because I'm, I have a uniform now and yeah. I don't need to decide what to wear. Like it would like decisions sort of stress me out when I'm right. not aware that I'm in the phase of making a decision now that I can be mindful of, oh, I'm making a decision. There's no need to stress. I just need to choose. <laughs> right. So I think like for me, when I'm in conflict, I, I'm sort of like, oh, now I need to decide if it's time to go. And which is completely irrational. Like I'm not going to leave over the fact that we can't decide who's letting the dog out right now. But I think that's what was happening in the decision making itself is what caused anxiety for me after looking, now being able to look back and reflect on it. But yeah, it was random. It is. I would never wish panic attacks on my worst enemy. I started to slowly figure out a couple things that would work for me, like hot baths and chamomile tea and and lavender hand cream and things that I started to train myself that are like calm things that I do every night. Yeah. And so when I got into an anxiety attack, I would do all these sort of more nighttime rituals, but they basically were telling my brain, oh, it's time to relax and it's okay. Yeah, it's time to take extra sweet care of yourself. You know, and that's the thing to to come up with the the routine, whatever that looks like, that works for you, so that you can support yourself when your mind is jangly, when when you know that it's you know in that space of fragility. That okay, these are the things I know to do. Yeah, and I love that when your mind is jangly. I've never heard that before. That's great. Mm-hmm. I think my my one of my problems and why it took so long for me to sort of really feel like I got a handle on them is that I had that routine in place, but I only would access it when I was feeling anxious or starting to feel a panic attack come on versus putting something in place that would help support just those voices being seen and Mm -hmm. not have to like come out. So that sort of led me to creating a morning routine and putting some more structure into my days. You know, someone who is working from home, freelancers, entrepreneurs, it's it's very easy to not have structure that supports you. So I did a lot of research to figure out what a morning routine could look like for me, um, specifically to support anxiety. And the first thing I came across in this research, because, you know, there's my like dorky science background coming out, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I approach everything. I go down massive rabbit holes of research and gratitude, um, writing three things down that you're grateful for every day, yeah. and then also writing the thing that was the best moment in the past 24 hours. I call it my 24-hour moments. And it's just to train your brain to look for the good. Cause I am definitely one of those people you walk, I walk into a room and I can see everything that's broken. And honestly, yeah. if something's not broken, like I will probably break something just so I can fix it. Like right. that's, 
the fixer in me. And so to yeah. train my brain to look for the good moments and to sort of operate throughout the day being like, oh, is this the one I'm going to write down tomorrow? Is this the good mm, moment I'm going to write down tomorrow? Yeah. There's a practice that I've been teaching for years um, called joy spotting mm. and making note of as many things as you can each day. But, you know, usually I would start by saying, you know, pick 10 and noting what they are. They could be the smallest thing. It could be the tiniest little thing that brings you just a moment of awe or sweetness, mm. which is you know very similar to to the best moments and to the gratitude and to being able to really look at the great and crushing beauty that's all around us instead of my nickname used to be my husband lovingly would say inspector number nine because <laughs> like because like you if if there was anything going on I was going to find it like oh yep. well. That's not right. That's needs, <laughs> that needs to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. And even um, in the beginning of our conversation today, when I was tripping all over my words, that's not something I do. I had to like mm-hmm. stop my brain and go, this is cool. Just reset this. There's, you're, you're good. So mm-hmm. I hear you. The whole, the whole fixing thing yeah, is quite something. So it's helped. It's helped. And that and like adding in a little bit of yoga in the morning just to move my body. And yes. then also, um, so five minutes of yoga and then minimum five minutes of meditation. And so mm. um, today was actually my 678th day of nice. meditating straight. And two months into that practice, I had my last panic attack. So I haven't had one in 600 and, you know, do the math, 30 something oh, days. Oh, that's so, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was a uh, it was sort of a big deal, and I was one of those people. I can't sit still. I don't do yoga. I can't like I'm a runner. I'm a swimmer. I like you know all these things, and I just like forced myself to sit there and like listen to some guided meditation, start listening to different kind of meditation music and binaural beats and all those things, and just to, like works, take some time. Yeah, just like see myself. I think to be able to sit there and even look into the corners and say, okay, I feel anxious and I love that and like loving on the feeling and like letting it have a life for a second so it doesn't have to show up the way it normally does with when, when it's like a vo- volcano so sure. that really that was that made the biggest difference I think to putting all of those things into place and I do feel anxious every once in a while and I'll I'll start to I'll be like oh wait I have all these tools now I can go meditate I can do oh, do these things and and it you has take never action into, you can yeah, take exactly. action yeah exactly. it's never turned into like a full-blown I'm out of the game now because right. this is really dramatic. And I've been very grateful and yeah, started to dig a little bit deeper into the the sounds. A lot of meditation music that I thought would enhance my practice kind of put me to sleep or mm-hmm. would allow me to go into my to-do list and grocery list and not <laughs> really support me staying present, which is what I needed. I needed to stay present to see yes. those things and like to do that work. And so I searched and then I found some meditation music that was very melodic and pretty piano music that you could almost hum along to. And like that took me out of it too, because it was too, it, it wasn't keeping me present to my work that I had to do. It was bringing me into the music. So I was like, ah, that is a tricky conundrum to find music that is calming yeah. and peaceful and brings your heart rate down, but doesn't put you to sleep. A lot of that meditation music is actually at a, a heart, if you were to count the sort of beat that is there. It's at a beat that would be slower for your heart. It would be as if you were sleeping versus music you like to run to is your jogging tempo. So your feet are on the right tempo. And then music that you actually want to like drive to keeps your heart rate. at a, So there's like all this, of course, I went down that little rabbit hole too. So of I, course. Like, I wonder if maybe I should think about creating. So it was like a thought in the back of my mind. I'm a pop artist and I'm, I'm doing film scores and I have all these, I write a lot of lyrics. This isn't something, but then I 
it was there. It was sort of in my head for like a half a year. And then I got invited to an artist residency in Greece last summer, which was, I was planning on writing um, a choral suite for this choir that I work with. And I get there and it's like this half abandoned, tiny little mountain town. And it's 30 people live there and, and have redone some of, some of these little abandoned stone houses. And then the rest of them are just ruins. And they showed me where my working space was. Most of the artists there were visual artists, photographers mm-hmm. and painters and sculptors and stuff. And they showed me this room. It's like through this stone wall. You go through this arch door. And then it was this completely refurbished stone room with a grand piano in it that was perfectly tuned. And I was like, and we're doing a piano record. Oh my just gosh, Cheryl, that's amazing. just so magical. What the heck? Yeah, it was, it was a little <laughs> crazy. And the funny thing was, I wasn't planning on recording anything there. I was planning on sure. writing. And so yeah. I had my, actually the microphone I'm speaking on now, I had this little travel mic just to sort of grab some thoughts and maybe, you know, do some demo recordings or something. And I was like, I'm going to record this record with this tiny little microphone. And I ended up having to record it at night because in the daytime when the sun came out, the cicadas were so loud that my microphone would pick them up. So sure. when everyone was at dinner, I would, I'd be writing all day and I'd be sort of editing the tracks. And then at night is when I would record the piano and I would do some I would pluck the piano strings and I did some humming and breath stuff. Nothing lyrical, but just um, sure. creating soundscapes just with my, my voice and this piano. And then I also had a bell. And then in the daytime, I would edit it. I'd reverse the sounds. I sort of created a sound. Some people were like, oh, what orchestra did you, what strings are you using? I'm like, literally nothing on this except the source of the music is the piano and the voice and the bell. And I love that idea that sure. you can be the source of your own light, which is why yes. I named it luminary because that's one of the definitions. Oh, of the so beautiful. You can hear cicadas in one track that I had before I realized that my mic picked them up. I had this one little take that I really wanted to keep in there so you can hear some some buzzing. And then the one other thing you can hear is Greece is known for having so many stray dogs. And there were stray dogs in this town all over the place. And then one one day I was doing this very high echoey sort of thing that I ended up completely morphing in the editing process. But it was sort of me singing, huh? like really high. And as soon as I started practicing it, I would hear like all these dogs like <laughs> yelling back to me. And I was, I'm never, I have 14 days. I wanted to do six, 10 minute, sorry, 10, six minute pieces so that I could have a complete hours worth of a record. Um, someone could do a yoga class to it. And right. you could also do just, you know, smaller six minute pieces. And I was like, I'm never going to get this done with these dogs and the cicadas and everything, but it, it was magical there and it was very focused and the Wi-Fi was terrible. So I had no distractions and it was, yeah, yeah, it was done. And I was like, I guess I should do something with this. And I sent it to a couple of meditation apps and they're like, can you, yes, we love this. Can you do more? Cause each, each piece sort of starts a little darker and takes you. So it's meant to meet you. Like if you're feeling negative or feeling anxious or feeling sad, each one has a different theme and it takes you through the six minutes of like latching on to where you are and then bringing you somewhere new. Mm. And there's little bells and reverse bells that sort of sound like scraping sound, but they're, they're designed to keep you present yeah. without latching onto a, a, a melody that would take you out of your own thoughts. Right. And the tempos and all those things are, uh, and I listen to it driving and I'm much calmer and most meditation music, they say in the beginning, like, don't listen to this while driving or operating heavy machinery. And mine is no, no, please, please do. Yeah. Like you'll be, you'll be fine. It's, I did a lot of work with going left to right, aligning your feminine side um, and awakening that before it can support the masculine side of our bodies, which is tends to be left beautiful, to right? So there's a lot of little things in there that I wanted to put in for myself and then mm-hmm. realizing that this was something that is hard to find and not 
if it is out there, I haven't found it and I looked pretty hard. I'm not saying it's not, but I couldn't yeah. find it. So. Well, I, I really love how much thought and consideration and heart and sweetness that you put into this. From the cicadas to the dogs to this <laughs> incredible space in Greece to you know, your own experiences dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and to be able to really get clear. And then of course your gifts, your talents, and to be able to pull it all together in this one record, my goodness, it's going to help so many people. Mm, Thank you. Well, it already has. I mean, it's been out (laughs) for a while now. Yeah, it's been out for two months. I did a pretty big push to get some pre-orders at the lowest price I could sell it for just because I really wanted it out there. And it ended up being a number one on iTunes and Amazon, and it's still on Amazon charts. It was actually on the iTunes top 100 all top selling albums. So it was like next to Kesha and Taylor Swift. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that this is what I, I was dreaming of for my pop records when I was really trying. And this one, not that I wasn't trying, I, I did finish it. Of once I decided it was happening, I was like, we're going to go master and make it professional and all that stuff. But I was, it was more of a, like, I guess I should put this out there. Oh, I guess I should submit yeah. it to these apps. Oh, I guess I should do a spoken affirmation series for each one. And, or, and then it was just very organic and yeah, it was really, really, really neat to watch yeah. this go to the places I've always wanted my music to go to and not actually sure. be super intentional about it this time around. I mean, I was, but it was, of course. Well, and then, forced. and then to have it come out when it did and, mm-hmm. and to be a source of, of sweetness and support during everything that we're all dealing with right now with the lockdown and coronavirus and with all of the things that we all face, that we're all facing together right now in the world to have this record, to have Mm -hmm. Luminary as a support during this time is what a gift. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's a little crazy how timely it is. And, you know, my mom and my friends and my family are saying like, well, what are you doing? What's changed for you? I'm like, oh, I'm just listening to Luminary on repeat on Spotify all day long. It's a reminding me of my experience creating it, but also doing the things that I was designed to do. So I'm personally grateful I have it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, can I say that about my own record? I'm like, I guess you can, can. because I made it for that reason. (laughs) Um, And it's been fun to sort of develop the community of Luminary. I am a luminary is the website. It's also the Instagram handle. And there've been a lot of affirmations that I've created on top of the music, depending on what the music was. Each track that I wrote when I was in Greece, I I had a theme of the day. So it was either um, attracting or releasing something. So attracting abundance, attracting love or releasing anxiety, releasing negativity. So I have a series of affirmations for each of those topics, depending on which piece was written from that idea. I've created those. I've I've created more meditations around that idea with the music behind it, and I've sort of put them all on this site. I am a luminary dot com. And uh, is that I the just, be, is that the best place? Yeah. I am a luminary dot com for our listeners to yeah. explore and dig a little deeper with you. Absolutely, I have okay. all you know. However, you like to listen to music, I have all the links there, whether it's iTunes sure. or Amazon or Spotify. So you can just find them all there. In addition to the meditations. And I also recently, I toured with this social justice choir in Mexico and our hosts there in this tiny little town, they run this cultural center. It's like the heart of um, Cuernavaca. And mm-hmm. they they had to shut it down, obviously. And I saw them on Facebook Live teaching Tai Chi classes for mm-hmm. free. There are these gorgeous human beings and they're looking out on this volcano that's 100 miles away. Like, it's just amazing. And they're amazing. And the Tai Chi classes are silent. 
So yeah. I was like, why don't you sell these? They're like, we don't have the technology to do. And I was all right, I'm just putting your schedule up on my website. Here's PayPal me. Here's how you do Zoom. I made them some videos. And so now there's like a luminary partnership. And so I have another friend who teaches yoga classes. So I added her. So now I have luminary classes that all the money goes to them and their communities. And, sure. um, and so that's been really wonderful to sort of grow it from just, these are resources that can help you be the luminary in your light. Like right. you are the, the source of your own happiness. You are the source of your own light. And here are some resources to help you access that. Oh, what a gift. I just think it's so incredibly interesting how this all came together for you in such a way that just to be in this beauty place and to, and to know what you've created, that it changed your life and, and how many other people that it will affect and, and support. And that's what we need right now more than anything. It's just this beautiful community coming together in any way we can, whether it's Tai Chi or yoga or music, mm-hmm. listening to the Anxiety Slayer podcast or you know, whatever yeah. it might <laughs> be that, that we're out here doing the best we can to support ourselves and, and everyone we come in contact with so that we can mm-hmm. be on the other, other side of some of the stress and anxiety that can really take you for a ride that you don't want to go on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, as we wrap our conversation today, Cheryl, is there, is there anything specific that's kind of coming up that you'd like to address before we go on our way? I think the biggest thing for me is like, as we're in this sort of space of isolation, for the most part, I know many people are isolated with someone else and that Mm. presents its whole series of challenges. But I think that as human beings, we often get a lot of fulfillment by being seen by other people. Yeah. And whether you're going to work and just someone says, hello, like you just sort of exist when you know that someone else has seen you. And I think that that's a really tricky thing to grapple with, especially if you're in isolation alone or just with a spouse who's sort of doing their own thing or your family right. and you're kind of in like take care of them mode. You're not getting that as much, even if you weren't, you know, working in a, with a lot of people before, even if you working from home or stay at home parent, whatever it was, but either way, there, there's something different right now about mm-hmm. everyone being really focused in their own bubble and the fear and all that stuff. And so I think for me, just the meditations I've been doing and the work I've been doing and what I'm, the message I'm trying to spread is that if you can really sit there and, and go through each emotion that you're having, each worry that you're having and like, listen for the response. So like go through the logical stuff, the brain stuff. I'm worried about this happening. I'm worried about this not happening. And then let your heart listen. That connection between the logical brain, which is in overload right now with all the news yeah. and all the stuff and letting the heart actually say, don't worry about that because I've got you or, or yeah. hey, what if you did this or just see what comes up and then just making sure all of the emotions you're feeling are just seen. Like, even if you're just like brushing your teeth, you can be like, okay, today I feel a little disappointed in that. I'm a little bummed about that. I'm feeling calm today. Cool. If you can just like list all the emotions you're feeling, like you will be the person that is seeing you and that sort of need and loneliness and sort of desperation for someone else to have to see you goes away which opens up so much space for love, fun, joy, like whatever it is yeah, that oh yeah. you want to put in that space. Well, self-love allows us to create magical worlds. Yeah. With, without question, the, the more that we mm. can care for ourselves and, and be mindful and not push that stuff away. Over the last few weeks, I've had days that felt completely, air quotes, normal. Mm-hmm. And other days where I'm just, boom, crushed and 
breaking down in tears and whatever, and being sweet with myself about it. Like, oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, where mm-hmm. did that come from? Is that yours? Is that your community's? What do you know you need to do now? How, you know, how yeah. do you feel? What do you need? And really stepping up and showing that, showing ourselves that self-love and taking action by uh, listening to your record, by allowing ourselves to figure out what, what supports us, whether it be essential oils or special calming teas or magnesium or whatever, yoga, et cetera. And to mm-hmm. just be like, okay, here's my list. These are the things I know to choose from. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all right. I've got this. Yeah, I love that. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for making time to join me on Anxiety Slayer and share a little bit about your life and story. What a magical person you are. I'm really, really excited for you and your record and, and for all that, that uh, you'll be bringing forward in the days ahead. I'm sure that there's so much more that you'll be sharing. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That was Cheryl B. Englehart. If you want to learn more about her work and her brand new record, Luminary, visit her website at IamIlluminary.com. 